episode 132 of Three Beers in a Movie, the first show of the new decade. I am Richard Happy Laird and I'm year. with... Colin the Guy. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year, everyone. Colin, we're not at the Raven tonight. We're not in any bar tonight. Where are we tonight? No, we're, we're in our respective castles tonight. So we are. We're, we're both, both sitting at home in the comforts of our couches with phones that are yours and can't away. Yes, because life is getting <laughs> in the way, essentially. <laughs> Because yeah, no one doesn't get paid to end the journey. That's pretty much it, yeah. <laughs> we are, <we're, laughs> totally, yeah. We are exceptionally skinny. Everyone's the same, so yeah, it's not so good. But yeah, it's, that's okay. I'm, I'm comfortable and settled and chilled about yourself. I am also very comfortable and very chilled, so I'm I'm also very happy as well. So, yes. What are you drinking? Drinking tonight, I am on uh, ice and water. Ice and water, I'm having a, a cup of tea. Because <laughs> they're very yeah, wild, isn't it? It's, it, it's supposed to be the kind of dry, chilled out January, so that's we're embracing that element of it. Yeah. I think, yeah. So that, that that's what I'm saying. I'm embracing the that that part of the the year. Um, yeah. Um, but do you want to get into um, the camel layers? Um, yes. How did it go? Mike on Mike. Um, so Mike, we played two games since we last spoke. They have Mike has played in both games, mm-hmm. which is good. Um, they have a grand total of they've scored one goal over two games and conceded eleven. So, so not fuck's so the, goal, what happened? They lost in the league game they lost four one to Stockport Town in a game where apparently they didn't play very well and the manager was not happy about. And that's a bad loss. They lost seven nil on Tuesday or Wednesday night, I think Tuesday night. Did you say 7-0? To a team called Nantwich Town, who are apparently about three divisions above you. So Still, how do you lose that? You do. If, you, if, team, if a team are three divisions above you, they, they are much. They might even be, for some of them might even be like, professional almost. You know, our, our guys are not professional. I know, but surely you could fucking stick a cardboard cow in front of the goals and it would stop more than that. Fucking I've seen teams playing these kind of games before and it, it, it's, it's tough to watch sometimes. It's, it's you, The other teams sometimes do feel a little bit sorry for them and you feel like they're yeah. But ultimately, they are professional and they will do what needs to be done and they'll enjoy racking up a couple of goals. So, yeah, not the so, not the best of festive periods for the, the Camel Lairds. Oh, for the Camels. Um, was that a, a league game, I take it? Not a league, a cup game? Cup game, yes. It was the semi-final of the cup. Yeah, uh, well, I suppose getting to the semi-final. Semi-final, again, they were, they were very low-ranked team in it and they've lost to a much higher-ranked team. So there's, there's no actually yeah. no shame in it at all. But they do need to play... Play Mike more. We assume that's. We assume he's not the reason they lost eleven goals. We assume that. Yeah, <coughs> he's the reason they never lost eighteen goals. That's exactly it. We we'll assume Mike. Mike was too. What do is take Mike right and put him up front. There you go. There you go. That's. Super, I, super I, don't, I don't think that's Mike's there. role, that's but yeah. Right there. there you go. We wish him good luck on this week. Hopefully, he'll bounce back this weekend. Yeah, yeah. sure. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Maybe score some Mike. Exactly, yeah. Um, so, non cinema viewing, Colin, I know there's something you particularly want to get into in a big bad way. Oh, The Mandalorian. You've watched The Mandalorian, or you watched all The Mandalorian? Uh, so, yeah, so I prophetically managed, I dreamt about The Mandalorian by some strange twist of fate. My dream was exactly as The Mandalorian's made it. Okay, so The Mandalorian <laughs> is obviously the newest venture into the Star Wars universe. It's a TV show. Uh, it is, yeah, um, eight part TV show. Between Jedi and it's Force? Five years after Jedi, yeah, so what was Force? Was that 10 or 12 years after? So, yeah, it's yeah. very much in the middle of the two of them, yeah, yeah. Um, really, really good fun TV. Um, it feels like Star Wars, yes, but it's trying to kind of do something a bit more as well. Um, John Favreau wrote, directed it, so it's in kind of, you know, since the fans with, with John Favreau, you know. Well, he, direct, he directs the pilot, I think, doesn't he, yes. Um, he does a pilot, he writes quite a lot of them yeah. as well. He's a um, head writer, I guess. Yeah, um, so I mean, you know, he knows what he's doing. I mean, he's made enough movies now that he's, he's quite kind of safe, do you know what I mean? And you trust what he's going to do. How much and did it, Disney it, it, love John Favreau? What? How much did Disney just love John Favreau? You know, the amount of money he has ah, now made them. He has done wonders for them, yeah. he's done so, so good, do you know what I mean? Um, but this plays out like the, the, the kind of. Biggest comparison I would kind of line it up with is Solo in, in terms of Star Wars. Right, okay. Because it, it kind of feels like a Sergio Western. I mean, I think you can tell that it's heavily inspired from the, the kind of spaghetti westerns yes. and stuff like that. And a lot of it is, you know, it's just like a kind of mini western episode. Oh, right, okay. Um, but it's not, it's not bad for it at all. I mean, there is Star Wars lore in there and there's kind of characters that you kind of know and love and stuff like that. But the, the overall feel of it is the same as Solo. I mean, it, it feels like a western. Right, okay. Now, 
take the Star Wars out and you'd have a pair of yourself go kind of Cowboys and Indians film at times. Yeah. So no. really good for that. Um, Schumer's really good. The, the lead guy, um, Pedro Pascal. Yes, he's in Kingsman. Yeah, um, you'd never see him in it. Um, so he's, I think that there's one scene where he removes his mask briefly, but eight episodes you don't see him. So they went very much just red with him. I mean, like Mandalorian never reveals himself and, and they kind of stuck with it. Um, which is brief, because Pedro Pascal's a handsome bastard. He, he is, but he, he kind of, I think a lot of people online are kind of saying a lot of the scenes were he's, he's kind of stuntable, not him and stuff like that. But he, because he's under a mask, it, it doesn't matter. Mm. I mean, you can't tell. Yeah. Um, but he, he does a good job of playing playing the Mandalorian. You know what I mean? And they, they kind of think Mandalorians and Star Wars lore are these like kind of you know fucking amazing elite warriors that you know are just fucking ruthless battle machines. And you kind of get that from this. I mean, it kind of picks up on that and it kind of delves into their kind of lore a wee bit and their kind of character and you get all the kind of. Know, the kind of badass and just fucking wiping things out and stuff like that. You can catch all of that really well. It's a really, really good, really good review. Um, obviously, bigger the Star Wars fan, the more you enjoy it. But yeah. I would say even non-Star Wars fans would enjoy it. There's nothing that you would need any previous knowledge of. I mean, then you could kind of go into not watching Star Wars and still enjoy it. Still enjoy it for what it was. Merit, yeah. The question I would ask is, I know you, you, you obviously... Binged it to some degree, I think, from, from what you've said. Um, um, does it work? Does it work episodically? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I never actually had it that hard. I've only done like at most two episodes on any given evening. Oh, um, right, okay. So I wasn't, you know, I didn't kind of sit fucking eight hours a a straight viewing. Um, no, it, it's kind of it, it's really really digestible. So as okay. I say, episodes each one's about half an hour. Okay. Do you know what I mean? So you, you never feel like it's overstayed its welcome either. Do you know what I mean? And, just kind of they just move each one's kind of pace nicely each one pretty self-contained as well there is like a, a kind of eight-part story arc but each one is pretty self-contained as well so it's really really digestible in that, that aspect as well that's what i want because that's what i mean you've had a, an issue with in the past with things like for example game of thrones where individually it felt weak like uh, as, a, as a series it worked overall but you're watching the episode going this episode offers nothing to what the actual show is you know, it feels nah, like it's, it just... makes, it's, it's pointless. It's just pure fucking fluff. Do you know uh-huh. what I mean? And it, I don't care about it. But now, nah, but this one, every, every episode kind of you know holds up on its own. Oh, nice. And the overall kind of conclusion at the end of it all, I mean, feels put together nicely as well. Awesome. Um, interestingly, Taika Waititi directed one of them as well, and yeah. he also plays a character. In yes, it. I've heard. Yeah. He's um, his episode was he done the final one actually. Oh um, wow. He did a really good job as well. So he's becoming a bit of a kind of Disney. Well, yeah. After obviously after Thor Ragnarok made all the money yeah, and all the he's accolades, loving Thunder as well, isn't he? Yes, he's, he's doing, directing yeah. that as well. So he seems to be kind of been taking into the Disney stable, the Disney bosom. But good on, good on him. I mean, yeah, Disney will do big things for directors, and it's nice to see ones that we've kind of liked before they were big directors. I mean, yeah. Getting and we'll, kind of spotlight. We'll, we'll talk about TT later on because um, obviously him doing Thor Ragnarok and Thor Love and Thunder allows him to do other films that. You know mm-hmm. the ones that we really enjoyed of his as well, so yeah. it's always like it's always a good thing. Um, yeah. I've not watched Mandalorian yet. I, I, I'm not the biggest Star Wars fan, as we've, we've pointed out probably yeah. a couple of episodes ago. But I'm intrigued by it. I'm looking forward to actually seeing it, and um, I'm I'm invested enough that I'm intrigued to watch it. Um, uh, you watch, yeah, you will enjoy it. You um, when when officially, um, air quotations does Disney? I believe it's the end of March. End of March, I think it is. So it's a weird way they've done that, isn't it? Because common sense tells you if they're listening to America three months before the rest of the world, everyone's going to fucking download it and watch it. I, I agree. You know yeah. I mean? It did seem like an odd choice to make. Cause like, you know, I yeah, was, you I, know, don't, and I this, don't get their game plan there. So, I mean, they, they, this, it's there. So, I mean, people will fucking rip it off and, you know, they, they will... Yeah. You know, it's, and it's going to you know, even things like Game of Thrones and Watchmen, they they were, they were running scared of the whole piracy things. They were releasing the episodes, yeah. you know, at eight nine o'clock prime time America, but like one a.m. over here just to make sure everyone could see it. You know, they weren't yeah. losing anything. But no, I'll, I'll definitely, uh, I'll definitely look forward to it. Um, good stuff. Good. I have spent the plus part of 2020 catching up on a few things I missed in twenty twenty uh, twenty nineteen. Um, a, a, a retro movie watch yeah, I mean, all stuff that was out last year just it was a chance to sort of few things I'd missed just for various reasons I hadn't seen the first one is I think I, I think you've seen this film it's called Long Shot starring uh, Seth Rogen and Charlie Theron 
No, I missed that. I wanted to see it as well. I never got around to it. Yeah. I really wanted to. So yeah. essentially, he's a writer. She's running for the Democratic nomination for president, but she also babysat him in high school. He had a big crush on her. They meet up again at something, and she he becomes a writer for her um, to try and make her more palpable to the, the voting public. And from that, there's a sort of rom-com of them sort of falling in love and, you know, the sort of the, the, the usual dynamic of that. It obviously flipped this time around by the fact that it's a pretty, you know, Charlie Theron can definitely get better than Seth Rogen. You know, Seth Rogen, yeah, yeah. he is punching well above his weight in this, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. I've got to tell you, man, I watched it and I laughed my ass off through it. I thought it was really funny and it was really well done and had a lot of charm to it. But, but never... the trailer sold me this. Uh-huh. I wouldn't do so much because the trailer really kind of, you know, sold it as what you're saying. Do you know what I mean, like, genuinely funny, you know, fucking yeah. films. You could call it, it, I mean... The glib way I call it would be like pretty women and like you no know, a flip pretty women, but it's not. It's so yeah. much. It's actually a lot better than that. Um, Charlie Theron is exceptionally funny in it. Seth Rogen is always is very funny in it as well. It's really yeah. smartly written. It's really. But the thing is, what's more important with that is, in the same way that Rosario Dawson makes you feel that she could fall for Dante in Clerks too, Charlie uh-huh. Theron makes you believe she could fall for Seth Rogen. So I believe that's what I was going to ask. Yeah. Yeah. That's what sells it. It's her performance that sells it. And you're going like, yeah, I totally get why she would fall for this guy. Yeah, I get it. Um, and then the, the the kind of romantic and the sort of more heartfelt moments are really well done as well. So yeah. it, it, to- it on every level it absolutely works. And I think it's a real shame that for whatever reason it didn't do that well at the cinema. It came and went very quickly. And I was looking at the box yeah. office, didn't set the world on fire, and it really deserved to have done a lot more. I've, I've really really enjoyed it. What did you watch on Sky? It's on Sky. Uh, Alright, cool. No, sorry, no, sorry. Netflix. It's on Netflix now. Right, cool. Check it out. Um, just quickly, when we're talking about heartfelt films and stuff like that, um, I managed to watch Instant Family eventually. Oh, Jill loves that film. Um, but just it was on just, just got on the Sky the other day. Yeah. Um, and you need my local son to watch, so we decided to put that one. Yeah. And I, how good is that film? I I found it oddly charming as well. I like the fact you probably like it because the young girl who plays Dora is in it, obviously. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. yeah, which I didn't realise at first. I didn't realise it was too much. That's who she is. Again, Rose Byrne does really well for a very underwritten role. She's she's she's, yeah. she's fallen into that role of like playing the wifey too much, and she's better than that. But mm-hmm. she she brings a lot of believability to it. The only thing that didn't work for me was the ending with Joan Cusack popping up in it for five minutes for no reason. Um, yeah, I didn't mind that. I, I just it, it felt funny. very left field. That was all. But other than that, it, it's a very charmingly well done film. You, you get exactly yeah. what you're expecting from it. Yeah, I had, a, I had double, the heart that was in it. That's that's what it was, man. I had the proper kind of, you know, you, you got a lot of kind of feelings from it. So much heart in it. But yeah, that was good. I watched that. So sorry, that was just on the back of you saying about all the heart in it. Yeah, on the flip side of that, I also watched a film called The Hustle. The Hustle. Uh, starring Anne Hathaway and Rebel Wilson. Oh, right. okay. Which is yeah, the gender flip of <coughs> Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. <coughs> yeah, um, got rotten reviews. Dude, it is honestly one of the worst things I've watched um, in the last year or so. Really? If, if, I'd seen worst, it la- uh, if I'd seen it last year, it may have been in my top five worst movies. Well, worse than Sherlock Holmes? It's not, it's not quite as bad as that, but it's definitely in the ballpark of that. That's a shame. <laughs> it, it, it just it didn't have anything funny. It forgot to be funny. Was it trying to be funny? I it, think it was, was trying, it but just forgot. Off as a comedy. Yeah, just it didn't just didn't have any funny in it at all. Um, I've decided I don't really like Rebel Wilson. I've never seen in anything that I think she makes it better. Uh, pitch perfect. It's- Probably where I would go to with that, but out of that, yeah. I don't think she that's makes Pitch that's Perfect that's any better. I think she's the weakest thing in Pitch Perfect. I think so, right? Yeah. The problem is, she just seems to be a character. Yeah. And that's the only character she can play. Yeah. I mean, the is, is the problem. Um, and it's just kind of. I don't know, you just not got enough chops and you do the same shit over and over. Exactly. It's becoming very stale now. Yes, I watched that. That was not good. And the final thing I watched of interest was one on Netflix. It's a Netflix original, I think. It's called Destination Wedding. Okay. Starring Keanu Reeves and Winona Ryder. Oh, that's a a old school matchup. Yeah, the two of them are going to a wedding. um, But they don't know each other when they first get there, but they realise they're going to the same wedding. 
Um, but ultimately, as they as they take the flight there and they travel there, they don't particularly like each other, and they spend most of the on like bickering and sort of being shitty to each other. And then obviously, as all these things do, they they get to understand maybe they do like each other a little bit. But it's just it's a very simple story. It's very yeah. wordy, very um, dialogue heavy. But because yeah. you have so much love for Keanu and for Leona, uh, you absolutely, I absolutely loved it. I thought it was so charming and so lovely. And Keanu actually, for all the shit he gets for being a really bad actor, he he has a shit ton of dialogue in this and actually rattles it off really well. Yeah. yeah. Is it, is, it, is it a comedy? Yeah, it's a comedy. It's a kind of it's, the best thing I can compare it to maybe is something like um, Before Sunrise, the Richard Linklater movie. Um, no, I've not seen that. Uh, maybe a bit cross with Sideways. Have you ever seen Sideways? No. Um, it's just, it's just a very. It's definitely it's a two hander between the two of them. It's very wordy, very sort of just um, try to trip each other up and very dialogue heavy. There's almost no other character in it who has any sort of line of of note. It's it's all just the two of them talking um, and just sort of essentially you can see them falling for each other and try to understand each other's lives is it is it all still on the plane no 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 it's it, that's it's like in the plane then it's at the wedding then it's at like the, in right. the hotel room and stuff like that so it moves location but it's really only them who actually get any sort of dialogue or, or, or time on screen yeah, anyone, anyone I can't it? recall the guy's name but it's just it's, like I said it's, it's just a really nice charming lovely film and like I said because the two right. leads are so charming that you, yeah, that's what really does bring it through for me and I, I actually really liked it. Where have they been in before? We're all into They were in, were they in a vampire one at one point? Which one? Within Little Woman together? Oh, no, they were in um, not Little Woman, Dracula. They were in Dra- Dracula. Dracula. Were they in Pride and Prejudice or something? Or Sense and Sensibility together? Something like that? Um, maybe. Yeah. Not too sure. They have done work before, definitely, yes. Yeah, yeah, I should, I should have been in a few things before. I'll, yeah. I'll research that later. But yeah. I might check that out because I do, I do have the old love for Keanu. Who doesn't love Keanu? Yeah, it's, it's nice to see yeah. Keanu acting as well. Because Keanu, he actually can act. And he does get a lot of yeah. shit. He has, as he's got older, he's, sort of, he re, he's refined what he, he's good at. But he, he has got some chops when he, when he wants to yeah. show them off. Yeah, he can, he can deliver a line when he has to. When he has to, yeah. Um, anything else of interest you've watched at home? Um, if I watched at home, um, no, I revisited. I went back to the cinema again um, for a second viewing of Star Wars. Okay. Um, which which I enjoyed second time around as well. I mean, it's, it's weird though because I kind of you know that way when we watch a film like like kind of Avengers Endgame and stuff like that, and you think right, I'm going to go back and see it again and see all the stuff that I missed. And yeah. then You go and see it again and you realise that you didn't miss anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything was was on the plate. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, it was that, do you know what I mean? I kind of went back thinking, right, I'll look out for all this stuff that I never noticed. And there isn't actually that much. So I, yeah, yeah I, I kind of noticed everything anyway. Yeah. I had done the same way with Endgame as well, you know what I mean? But when I rewatched that, I was like, I'm kind of, you know, I, I never missed anything. There was nothing that washed over me. So. Ah, you enjoy yeah, it again enjoy, because you like the film, yeah. but you're not getting any new sort of. Like, Oh yeah, well I'm going to read the book first I've got the book, I bought the book um, just before Christmas So I'm going to read the book first Then I'll, I'll dive into the show Cool, cool, the book's really good yeah. um, so It's pretty, pretty kind of weighty stuff for a fucking teen novel Really, really good though yeah. Nice one uh, Well what we'll do then, we'll, talk, we'll discuss the cinema Which I know you've not seen much So basically this will be me trying to convince you to go and see things Or to avoid things <laughs> Um, and also, I'd make a point. Some of these things have been out for a little while, but as it's January, uh, the first two weeks of January, there's quite a gap, and there's not really that much new stuff out. Yeah, so the, a lot yeah. of the stuff that's out now has been hanging around for a little while, but it, and it's still hanging around into next week as well. So if you if you want to go and see these films, you can you can go and see them. They'll still they'll, they'll still be there. And the first one up is I saw it the day after I saw Star Wars, and the film is Cats. Oh, Mike, did you actually go and see I went and seen this, sir. I am a man who does this thing for this podcast. I will go and see these things. So, wow. directed by Tom Hooper, who is an Academy Award-winning director for The King's Speech. He also yeah. he also directed The Damn United. He also directed Les Miserables. You know, so, so, so this is a man that knows how to make a film. He knows how he makes, he makes a film, he makes a pretty-looking film as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, um, the plot of this film is 
<laughs> cats all gather once a year to go to the Jellicoe Ball, and the cat that's deemed the most worthy um, gets to go to their second life or something, and become and, comes, and will come back as another cat and gets to live their life again in a better way. That's that, weird. If you're a cat, why would you want to come back as another cat? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, <laughs> So there's a main cat who's trying to get the Jellicoe Ball and, and try and understand what it's all about, and there's another cat who wants to obviously get that second life, the baddie cat, and it's trying to push its way in. And that's essentially the plot. Right. So it's it's a it's a pretty much it's an all star cast. You've got Francesca Hayward, who is a ballet dancer by trade. This is her acting debut. She plays sort of like the the main cat lady in it. Um, you've also got Jennifer Hudson, who gets the one big show stopping song. She gets um, memories. I'm not going to try to remember any of these cats' names because they have all got fucking stupid names. I can't remember them. Um, you get Idris Elba or Idris Elba. Yeah. He plays. I want to say something like McTavish or McCattery or something yeah, like that. Okay. Yeah, I think it's McCaffrey. McCaffrey or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah, um, so, yeah, yeah. Judy Dench plays Old Deuteronomy. I can't remember. Um, yeah. Jason Derulo plays somebody. Taylor Swift plays someone as well. Um, you've also got James Corden playing a fat cat. Obviously, Rebel Wilson for the following my. Thoughts on Rebel Wilson. Uh, Ian McKellen pops up as well, as does Ray Winston, which is fucking bizarre. I never um, knew he was a... That yeah, that, and he just... He's basically Ray Winston off of the gambling ads. You know, just sort of his big <laughs> head. Just sort of, it's very odd. Um, yes. Oh, my God, 100%. Yeah. Um, so this film has been much derided in the press, oh, online, yes. and... The, the box office is pretty much it's a disaster. I think whoever it is that made it, it's gonna take like a, something like a hundred and fifty million, you know, hit for for this thing. Yeah. Um, and yeah. honestly, I can understand why. It is that bad? It's bad, right? Okay, I'll put it out this way. I'll put it. I'll I'll try and frame it in some sort of idea. It's made for fans of this of the stage show. Clearly, I think it's obviously made yeah. people who know the stage show. So when I'm watching it, I did not get it. it there's there's really very little prep for anyone who doesn't understand the stage show. So. Uh-huh. But there were people behind me at the back of the cinema who obviously were fans of the TV, of the stage show. They seemed to very genuinely enjoy it. Now, whether they're enjoying it in an ironic way and they're drunk and they're just enjoying it in that respect, or if they actually did get it, I'm not really sure. But they applauded at the end of this film, so they obviously, so they so they got something from it. So for them, for them, I'm happy. For the rest of the world who's who's embracing this, I'm not happy. Um, it's visual, it's like very stylish beyond belief, you know, it's shot for an inch of its life. Um, but the cats are such a weird, uncanny valley kind of thing they've got going on because at times they, they act human and at times they act like cats. Yeah. So that just, at that point, you're still, at that point, you're literally going, make a decision, pick one or the other. You know, like, I've also heard there's issues with the, the kind of scaling as well. Sometimes they're like, Sometimes the size of a cat. Size from yeah. what they should be. Do you know what I mean? You're like, hold on a minute. Yeah. There's absolute issues with that. I've heard, I read a story, I don't know if it's true or not, where normally you do this sort of CGI work, you put down the little green golf balls and all that kind of stuff, so there's like tracking for like the CGI. Yeah. yeah. Apparently the director of this one didn't want to do that because it interrupted the flow of the musical. So essentially right. the CGI guys are working with nothing. They're like going, what the fuck are we doing? It's like, this is, you've made something that should... Something that's going to take six months to animate is now going to take two years to animate, and you're only They're giving basically us basically giving them backgrounds and said, "Yeah, do something." Ah, like. and now you're only giving us eight months to do it, and that's why there's some severe problems with sort of like the whole costuming and the whole like sort of the the, the, the physical nature of the actors. It just it, it looks all very wrong and, and and just like I said, uncanny valley is the best way I can put it. It just feels a little bit off. Yeah. Um, so with this one, I'd heard that um, after the release that they had re-released it, but with improved CGI, so did you see... I saw the original OG cut. Right, the, the original cut, yeah. it was... And does it look terrible? It doesn't, I mean, there's moments in it I think were, were, were problematic, like, you know, it's about you can see, like, there's a lot of human hands going about, I'm thinking, should they have human hands? Should they have real? Like, I don't really know if that's something <laughs> I forgot to do. But, adding that back onto the film, like, fixing the CGI hands is like sort of rescuing the ice cream from the fridge when your house is on fire, you know? I'm glad you got your ice cream, but you know, there's, there's still there's bigger problems to, to work with here. And the biggest yeah, problem is that, your ice cream. yeah, the, the film seems to just basically introduce new characters every single second, and then that's it. That's all it does. There's no sort of like real narrative to it. So it's just this is a character from the musical. Why? Because it's a character. Yeah. Now let them sing a song. No he, bearing on anything other than they're a fucking character. Ah. Oh, then they sing a song about who they. They sing a song about who they are, and then eventually they get to this Jellicoe Ball thing. Everyone starts singing more songs about the Jellicoe Ball, and then everyone fucks off. 
And uh, was there not a scene you were telling me about um, earlier in the kind of week about a certain milk scene that you found a bit yes. disturbing? Yes, ja, 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 um, Jason Derulo <laughs> is spraying lady cats with milk. Um, and they're lapping it up off of him at one point, and it's just—it's not even subtle with its imagery. There's also stuff with like Idris Elba's like wearing a cat suit, but he's a completely neutered, genitalist cat. So it's just—it's—it's it's very strange. He's like he's like a Ken doll, totally smooth, and it's just like it's—it's. It's, there's so many weird stylistic choices that just don't really just seem to jive at all. Yeah. Um, so. This is definitely something, this movie, something that the cat dragged in. Then, yeah. Most definitely, yeah. I think it's a real, real misfire. I think, from everyone I know who's, who's ever seen the cat musical, no one really likes the cat musical, so I'm not really sure why he made a film on it. Um, mm. it doesn't, I, I don't know why there was a rush to get it out in the same week as Star Wars. It seems such a strange thing to do, because they, they didn't need yeah, to get it out definitely. then. Yeah, definitely. head-to-head for fucking... With that. I mean, did, um, but yeah. Did stop juggernaut? I, I don't want to pile on to it, because obviously there is... A lot of shit out there about it. It isn't isn't particularly good. Like I said, people behind me, um, who are fans of the musical, seem to enjoy it. So if it's if they enjoy it, then it's for them. Then I'll play to it. It's it's hitting that audience. But I think you'd have to be a really big fan of the musical to really get anything out of this. Did you do it out of ten? So what would you give it? Three out of ten. Wow, that's a proper dog's done. <laughs> it certainly is. Yeah. Man. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I'm if I'm suggesting films, I would say avoid that one. Is it? Is it a? Saturday night, come in drunk, put it on for a laugh film. No, I think that would confuse you a lot more and make you feel even more upset. So it's just avoid it, just don't fucking watch don't it. Don't watch it, yeah. Um, next up is a film that's still out and it's got a lot of good, uh, a lot of heat regarding awards and nominations and all such things, and that is Little Woman. Uh, ah, yeah. Directed by Greta Gerwig, who was mm-hmm. director of Lady Bird a few years ago, which I think we both. She seems to be a bit of a kind of Hollywood darling. She is, yes. She, so she she's, really do, she's do also married. She's married to Noah Bambach, who directed Marriage Story, so they're having a pretty decent yeah. year so far. Um, she also yeah. was an actress as well. She's in Francis Ha and Mistress America, if you're looking for two decent mm. films to watch. Um, I'm not going to tell you the plot. The plot of the film is a little woman. If you've read the book, if you know the little woman story, it's been done a hundred times before. That's the plot of the film. So it's, um, it's like Gulliver's Travels, but there are all these females in it. Yes, yes, that's what it is. Yes. <laughs> um, in the film, you've got a, a three beers favourite and uh, Saoirse Ronan, who we, we both love. Yep. Um, you've also got one we're beginning to love a lot, and I'm beginning to like as a really great actress. It's Florence Pugh. She's she's in it as well. Mm. Um, yeah. Emma Watson's in it as well. Uh, Eliza Scanlon. They, they play the four sisters. Um, Laura Dern plays her mother Timothy Chalamet plays a love interest for various sisters uh, Chris <laughs> <laughs> Chris Cooper plays the dad of um, the, girl, uh, the the family across the, the way who are the, sort of the rich family uh, Meryl yeah. Street plays a rich auntie Tracy Letts plays like a, a a book publisher and oh the guy from Better Call Saul whose name I'm totally blank Bob the Balaban Bob, Bob Odenkirk. Odenkirk. Bob Odenkirk. He plays the, the yeah, dad yeah. of the of the of the four sisters. Okay. Cool, cool. Um, it's good to hear. It's good to see. Um, Laura Dern is she's having a really good resurgence. She's now. Yeah, she's, I, I, she's really. She, you know, she's kind of back the public eye. She's getting nominated for stuff. And yeah. She is. Yeah, it's good to see. Good to see her fucking coming back in the early three spot. She's awesome in Marriage yeah. Story. She's amazing in Marriage Story. As a as a lawyer. Yeah. Yeah, she was really good. I think she's getting tipped for a nomination for supporting. I definitely give her more of a nomination for that than She's very good in this little woman, but she gets more to do in Marriage Story. She's more sort of like um, sort of screen time, I think, as well. Um, This is this is it's an excellent adaptation um, Uh because what it does nicely is it takes a different tact to it. So every other adaptation of what we've ever watched, it's just simply they take the story and they move it forward and they just tell the story as it is in the book, nar- like straight line narrative. This yeah. jumbles the narrative up; it sort of jumps back and forward in time, all, um, you know, to show some, and it's sort of set over three time periods. Right. Which, by doing that, you allow other characters who are normally sort of quite maligned in the in the book, particularly um, the Florence Pugh character, who I can't remember what character she plays. It might be Meg. I'm not 100. I'm don't quote me on that. The middle sister, who's always seems a bit of a shit in the book and all the adaptations because of what she does in the thing, but when you see it and with the, the narrative jumbled like this, it actually brings more context to who she is, and it, it makes her a bit more likable. It makes her, it makes her definitely more watchable and enjoyable character, and you can actually understand who she is and why she's doing what she did, you know, yeah. and and you, and you see sort of repercussions of what she has become, um, 
rather than you feeling happy when shit doesn't go right for her. You don't feel that quite the same. So I thought it was a really interesting way of, of, of putting it across. Um, casting, obviously, all the all the girls in it are phenomenal. Sarsarona yeah. is fantastic. Florence Pugh might be the MVP of the whole thing. She is phenomenal. Um, yeah. And cool. I'm beginning to really like her as an actress. You know, after things like Midsummer and uh, Fight With My Family and Lady Macbeth, she was in as well. She's going to be in a new Black Widow film. It really seems to be like, taking off in a big 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 way for her uh, so she's, she's kind of found her feet and she's oh, starting to climb up there definitely and she's really really good in this as well yeah. um, so all the cast are excellent um, and like I said it serves some of the underserved characters really well um, and it's nice to see Chris Cooper popping back up again um, because I've not really seen him in that much over the last like few years so it's nice to see him popping back in yeah, yeah, and um, how does so you're saying like they kind of move the timelines around does, does that still makes sense in terms of the story it's telling. That's my only negative about it. it. It does at times become a little something because they all look roughly the same. They don't age yeah. that much. It's only set over time like maybe like two years, so they're not they're not aging that much in, in each between the you know eighteen ninety one and eighteen ninety three. They're not aging that much in that time. Yeah. So yeah. you've got to look for subtle little things of like what to time just confirm what timeline you're in. Yeah, it's not always obvious. Uh, yeah, so like the, the youngest sister, Beth, she's always sick. So you know if she's lying in the bed, she's really sick. If she's lying on the couch, she's only half sick. And if she's up and about, she's she's better. She, it's at the early time. So yeah. you're gauging by sometimes by like the length of hair sometimes, you know, <laughs> or how they're wearing their hair, you know, what time. You know, so yeah. that, that, that to me was a little bit of an issue. That, that did, I had to a couple of times sort of check my brain to go like, where am I right now? Like, what am I, you know. Did, Where am I? Did your um, straightened out a bit, yeah. The direction yeah. is lovely though. It's nice and simple. It's nice and it's it's just it's a really well told story, paced really well. Some lovely little flourishes with sort of like still shots that just really do take your breath away, um, which uh-huh. I really appreciated um, that she was doing with that. Particularly one with Chris Cooper and a young girl playing the piano, which is absolutely gorgeous. Like it's a heartbreaking shot, but you know why it's in there and why he's acting that way. It's a really uh-huh. beautiful shot to have in the have in the, the film. So she does show real tact with the camera. Um, and she knows how to tell a story, so it'll be interesting to see what she does next. And the only thing that disappointed me, perhaps, is she did this rather than doing something original again. You know, why not? Uh, why not uh, do something um, again? Um, it's just something that's important to her. Maybe the story kind of resonates to her personally. Yeah, I think that's what I think she, she, she has to. She has to tell her. Yeah, I think she wanted to do it. That's the thing. She was the big thing for it. Um, another slight negative is it's a story that's been told, you know, many times before. So there's there isn't a lot of surprises. Yeah, you know. yeah, but did you know this with I've never seen it. You know? Or I'll read the book. No, so I actually don't know what it's about. It could be about fucking Malapetians. <laughs> it's not. It's basically, it's basically four, it's four middle, or sort of lower middle class sisters in um, New England growing up. They all have different dreams and desires and the same trying to pursue these. They're all, it's, all, it's very safe and quaint in many ways. You know, yeah. There's not really a lot of drama in it. Um, yeah. So... But it's, it's a lovely, well-told story, and the acting is fantastic in it, and I think it's one of those films that it feels like a big a bit of a hug of a film. Um, yeah. And it's just it's a really nice, well done. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, um, and I thought that everything about it was just perfectly paced. A couple of little niggles with the timeline thing and the fact that I know the plot, but the, the way she yeah. did mix up a little bit with the timelines, I really enjoyed that part of it. I'll need to try and see that. I think Lorraine really wants to see that as yeah. well, so I think it's on the cards. It's just... When we get into yeah. to see anybody. Yeah. Out of 10, sir? 8 out of 10. 8? Eight. 8, yes. Yeah, cool. Yeah, really cool. enjoying no, it. No, no. Good period piece, yeah, good yeah. solid period piece. That, that works. Yeah. Yeah. Next film is one that's been out for, it came out in January 1st. It's one I know you want to see, I know you'll definitely want to see this one. It is Jojo Rabbit. Oh, I fucking desperately want to see this yeah. one. Directed yes. by Taika Waititi, who obviously directed Thor Ragnarok, as we said. What We Do in the Shadows is a firm favourite of ourselves. Um, yeah. Hunt for the Builder People, also a massive... Um, favorite, Wrestling, um, yeah, and uh, boy as well, boy as well, yeah. and Eagle versus Shark as well, wasn't he? Did yeah, that was. Which I've still, still not seen it yet. Again, that's good to see him. Now I was excited because essentially I think he's done pretty much five five star films in a row. Yeah, he's definitely got a style that appeals to to us. Anticipation for the next one, yeah. and you're kind of right, what's he going to do now? What's yeah. he going to do now? So, what did he do now? Yeah, so Judy Rabbit is about it's a young boy growing up in Nazi Germany towards the tail end of the war. Um, he's part of the Hitler Youth, um, and he's sort of just navigating the final, he's navigating through Germany as a, as a sort of 
prepubescent boy. He wants to go to the Hitler Youth Camps. He wants to do what he should be doing. His mother's trying to install some sort of other side to that and say, you know, try and bring a humanity to him. Um, the, the big twist in this is that he's got an imaginary friend, and that imaginary friend is Hitler, or or, 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 or his perception of Hitler. Um, in his house, he basically finds that there's a young girl hiding in his house, a Jewish girl who's been hidden by the mother. Um, and it's sort of his relationship with her as he tries to understand, you know, like who the Jewish girl is and, you know, why he's supposed to, you know, he's supposed to hate this person. But, as yeah, he, you know, yeah. it's, it's him kind of struggling to understand that. Um, in the film, you've got Roman Griffiths Davis, who I think is one of his first films. He plays a young boy, Jojo. Okay. And yeah. Scarlett Johansson plays the mother. Yeah. Scarlett was awesome in it. Scarlett was really. You forget she, sometimes. She's up. She's like, sometimes she's when she can act like fuck. But sometimes when you just feel like she's just no, she's not in the films. I mean, yeah. Just no, I think she's done this because she wants to do it, and I feel we, and every now and again you forget that Scarlett Johansson is actually a great actress. Yeah. You know? uh, well, this oh, and, oh no, she definitely can act like fuck. marriage she, story. She does. Yeah. It's a joke in the uh, <laughs> uh, Thomas and Mackenzie. She is from the film Leave No Trace. Um, it was out. She plays a young girl who is hiding in the, the house. And you've also got um, Taika, plays Hitler. Um, <laughs> Sam Rockwell plays a German sort of general, and Rebel Wilson plays um, his associate. Oh, you've, you've had your fucking fill Rebel Wilson. Wilson. I've had enough Rebel Wilson, Wilson, yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> this is, it's, as you expect from Taika Waititi, it's exceptionally funny. It's yeah. it's funny to the point you almost think you shouldn't be laughing because it's like, oh, should I, I'm allowed to laugh at that? You know, that. <laughs> it does toe that line of being acceptable laughter. Um, yeah. Which it's a it's a, such a dangerous ground to sort of to go along. Um, but definitely, yeah, it's fucking lumping and Hitler is, is exactly. Um, um, the difference, and I think that's why this film will divide a lot of people and probably divide a lot of critics is the fact that maybe they, some people might think he strays too far over the line to be funny. Yeah. Um, whereas these other films were pretty as much as they were exceptionally funny. There's not a lot of sort of he's not pushing against the norm. In many ways, yeah. you know, he's he's, he's yeah. doing he's doing brilliant stuff, but he's not coming out. With, he's not doing anything that's sort of close to the edge. You know, it's yeah. you know yeah. maybe maybe some of the race politics in some of the films is maybe closer to the edge, but um, nothing quite as as overt as this. Um, how does it how does it compare to something like say the producers? Well, see, I think the better one to compare it to something like Great Dictator. Right. Okay. Um, I don't think it's not as well done as a Great Dictator. I would say. Mm-hmm. Um. But it's definitely it's it's in that family. It's in that the the blood of that the DNA of the Great Dictator is in here, um, yeah. and it's not so much about lampooning Hitler. Hitler's just a figure in this. He, he's lampooning the whole idea of you know of following you know like being a sheep yeah. and following and, and you know and thinking for yourself. He, he's lampooning the idea of like you know following this like sort of godlike character, you know, yeah. completely yeah. blindly and, and without without worry, you know. Um, it is, I would say, because of that, because it is so close to the edge and it is, it's so divisive, it is probably the weakest of his five films so far. Oh, okay. Um, still, I enjoyed it immensely. I thought it was fantastic. Like, I laughed a lot during it. But it does take a twist in maybe the third act where it becomes not funny. Right. And it gets a point. No, it's good, not funny, but uh, not yeah, funny, no, no. Like serious. It becomes serious. And, it, and there's a, you'll know the scene as soon as there's a moment in the film, as soon as you see it, you know this is where the film is twisted. It's, it's, yeah. it's went from being a sort of like satirical take on, you know, fascism to an extent, um, and it just has this twisted moment. You go, oh shit, this isn't a different. This is this is different now. This is this is something else. Um, yeah, it seems like it goes dark. Right? It goes very dark, and that that moment yeah. is really dark, and it's really heartbreaking when you see it. Um, the young kid, Roman Griffiths Davis, is excellent. Scarlett is excellent as well. Tom Thomas and Mackenzie is great. Taika is great. Sam Rockwell maybe acting in a different movie. He's maybe a little bit OTT for the role. Like he's, yeah, do you think he's just kind of misunderstood the role. Or? He is bringing Phil Sam Rockwell to this, which right. Phil Sam Rockwell, you know, he's he's like Sam Rockwell on Iron Man Two. You know, he's dancing around the place and he's just he's going big. Yeah, and there's yeah. times it works and times he gets no, and there's when the payoff of that character comes, it feels too much of a, of a of a twist or too much of like a, a one eighty. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't seem like doesn't seem that's like there to begin with. Um, Rebel Wilson again, her her jokes are the things that really fall flat in the in the film. I didn't, I didn't in the cinema. I was in quite a busy cinema, I saw it in, 
in all of her jokes just were greeted with like deafening silence. Yeah, just but again, it's all she can play is yeah. Rebel Wilson. I mean, I think that's the problem. She is by far the she's by far the weakest thing in the film. Um, yeah, it is. It does mix the comedy drama aspect pretty well. Um, it will alienate a lot of people. And the visual of Hitler is quite. It is. You don't realize until you see it. He doesn't look like Hitler because he's he's a no. he's an islander. You know, he's, he's sort of yeah. He's a fucking Kiwi. Yeah. yeah. But just to see the guy standing in that uniform with the kind of swept hair, the moustache, and the armband, <laughs> it is, it is, it's arresting, and it is, it makes you, it does give you a kind of real repulsive moment when you see it. Which I guess does is he a, do? Does he do the accent? No, he's still he's, he's talking like a Kiwi. He talks like he talks right. in his accent. Right. You know, maybe a slight hint of an accent, but nothing. It, it's still it's Taika. You, you can tell. It's still, it's still him. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, and it, it's kind of hard to fathom, and it does. It, honestly, it took me off for something. It does make you go like a kind of sharp intake kind of, of breath, you know, because of shifting that. Shifting your seat a wee bit, like a wee not, bit. Yeah, yeah. And I think if you, if, if you're into this film, not knowing what it was, it'd be really tough to watch. For that part, you know, it's, I've been in a few films before. Yeah, yeah. People, but obviously, into it, not knowing what it is, and not and walked out. I can see people doing that in this film if they didn't know what was coming, and I think the audience I was with seemed to know what they were in for. Yeah, so they're yeah. okay with it, but yeah, it could definitely, it could definitely offend a few people now. And it, I don't mind it offending people. It can offend people the fuck you want. You know, be offensive if you want to be offensive. Yeah. Um, because you got a point to, to its offense. If you've been offended by it, I think you're on the wrong side of the divide. If you know what I mean? You know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's not there to. Yeah, it's not the fucking point of the film. Yeah. Um, but I really enjoyed it. I laughed a lot at it, and the heart heart moments really did get me. But it sort of falls not quite in the same quite level as the other films. So again. Oh. Still, still good. Eight out of ten, sir. Eight, eight out of ten again. Do you know what eight out of ten for what you're saying is fucking Tiger's worst film? Yeah, that's the thing. This, this is to how good a filmmaker he is. This might be his outlier, but it'll still be a fantastic film. And if you're watching them all back to back, you you won't be going, "Oh shit, I've got to watch Jojo Rabbit now." You know, you'll be like, "I'm watching Jojo Rabbit." You know, it's still yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Um, cool. Onto that, the last film that I saw this week, and uh-huh. then I'll let you go. I've been busy, man. I've been busy. Is the gentleman. Ah, uh, the gentleman with, with Matthew McConaughey yeah. and co. Um, this which, is a guy, Richie Vico, yeah. Yes, which I think when you say the gentleman, you should say it like How I Met Your Mother. Have you ever watched the How I Met Your Mother? There's an episode with that regarding the gentleman. Um, they go on a, a, a booze fest with gentlemen, apparently. Um, <laughs> and it's, I just remember I hear it, I always want to say it like the gentleman. So anyway, Guy Richie directed Lockstock, King Arthur, Snatch. Most recently, um, directed Aladdin, made a shit ton of money from directing Aladdin. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yep, and also Sherlock Holmes films he's done as well. So, yeah, plot of this film is American gangster once has came into Britain. He now runs a marijuana weed empire in in Britain, but he wants to sell it. He wants to retire. He wants to move on in life and you know give it all give it all up. So, cue okay. people trying to buy it off him. People trying to subvert him in order to get the business. And you're and you're seeing a story of blackmail gangsters in general. Gangstery behaviour. That's and that's essentially it. Cool. Okay. So who's so the Americans? Matthew McConaughey. Um, you've also got Charlie Hunnam who plays his right hand man. Um, American or British Charlie? Yeah, very British Charlie. You've Colin Farrell who plays a another gangster. Um, Hugh yeah. Grant who plays a sort of a PI um, who works for the tabloids trying to dig up dirt, which uh-huh. is quite funny because he always acts against who he actually is. Um, you get Eddie Marzan who plays the, the editor of a, a paper who's trying to bring down the gangsters because he just doesn't like them so he's, he's trying to like shame them because some of these gangsters became sort of like beloved members of society because they're giving away money and stuff now but he's like still yeah, like Robin Hood so yes yeah. and you get Henry Golding from was it Last Christmas and Last Cri- Christmas and Crazy Rich Asians yep he's in it as well as, um, a, as an so Asian. right I'm no convinced for this guy at all. Okay. Anything I've seen him in, I think he just looks like a plank of fucking woods in my mouth. Um, am I right or wrong? We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, okay. <laughs> we'll get Jeremy Strong pops up in it as well, and also Michelle Doherty um, plays yeah. Matthew McConaughey's wife. And by me giving you her name there, um, even though uh-huh. I might have got it wrong, she I've given her more service in this film than the entire movie gives her. So that's me doing my thing for women. Well, uh, you've missed out with Sushi Grant. I said you got he plays a PI. Oh, no, he's a, sorry, he's a PI, cool. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, 
I'll put it out this. I'll put this. This film is probably not aimed at myself. I'm not a fan of gangster films. I, I don't like yeah. films that portray gangsters as noble heroes. Um, and this film seems to take the tact of Matthew Connie is a good guy because he deals weed and doesn't deal heroin or cocaine because they hurt people. Even though throughout the film he is hurting and killing people in order to sell his drug. And I'm going yeah. like, the, yeah. like his his ways and means are the same as the guys who are selling heroin and cocaine. Therefore, he's yeah. a bad guy, and I don't want. There's a like twisted rhetoric there, but yeah, again, this yeah. this whole Peaky Blinders gentleman gangster thing. They all dress well, and they all have the nice Peaky caps on the beard, and they all sort of act like pretend they're gentlemen, and they all talk very like softly at times, and then they talk very well at times, and it's just like no, nah, they're, they're still gangsters and assholes. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, Guy Ritchie can write a script. Lockstock and Snatch show he can write a script when he needs to. This script is fucking horrendous. Like, really genuinely horrendous. It's... Do it, you remember Tarantino and Hateful Eight used the N-word way too much? Yeah, yeah. This film uses the C-word way too much. Just put it in there for... Oh! To the point you're going... Did he just... Did he run? Did his keyboard get stuck on certain words or something? Because like, he must have other words you can use. Yeah, and yeah. with the best, I don't know if it's the actors who can't deliver the dialogue, or him asking them to deliver it in a way that's not natural to them. Intuitive to them, yeah. But yeah. some, I mean, watching these guys act, you're very aware they're acting. Which isn't good. I mean, because there's some heavy fucking weight actors in yeah. there. I mean, you should never see the cogs with. No, McConaughey looks like he's literally. McConaughey looks like he's like the line of flight at Heathrow at like nine o'clock that morning and was acting at half nine, done all these scenes in the space of about forty minutes, and then fucked off. Uh, I don't. Oh, so is this right? So you were saying about Guy Ritchie, right? So just now his phenomenal success is Aladdin, but I've never been a fan of any films. I think I think I've always thought he's a bit of a hack anyway. I have thought so um, as well. I think his producer was a better director, and that's why the producer became a better director. Yeah. Um, King Arthur got Terrible. absolutely fucking banned because it is. Um, you're saying this isn't that good. Aladdin isn't his script. Do you know what I mean? He's just directing that. He looks like a, he looks like a director, he's working for hire and he's probably get paid a yeah. decent chunk of money to do so. Yeah. Um, yeah. Aye, this, and the, the problem with this film as well, like the, the film is very racist throughout it in a way that feels really? it feels like almost like late nineties. And yeah. going like when you refer to Chinese characters as yellow yeah. that feels like a real a throwback that doesn't need to be there. You know, it feels like we've moved on from that. Is it set now? No, it's set now. Set now, yeah. 100% set now. So that felt... Oh, the plot is wafer thin, you know, and it's all told in like a flashback, pretty much. So you're kind of... You're kind of bored. And you also know that everything you see isn't what you see. And also, it throws a few kind of visual tricks in there to try and like sort of make him think he's Tarantino. Uh But he might only do the tricks. He does a thing once and you're thinking, if you only do it once, why do you do it? Like, what what does that offer? Other than to kill... A minute and a half of screen time, you know. Um, there is a saving grace in this film. In fact, there's two. There's, there's one and a half saving graces in this film. Colin Farrell is magnificent. Like genuinely, very, very good in it. Because Colin Farrell, yeah. as we've discussed before now, Farrell's a great actor, and when he's given something to do, he can be really funny, and he can deliver stuff in a real panache that for a long time his career he wasn't able to do because he was given roles that just were like sort of leading men roles. When he's yeah, like when he's yeah. like when the film says and Colin Farrell, he's normally got something fun to do and he's got something fun to do in this. And I really I, and I liked him in it. I thought it was really funny and definitely the best thing in the film for me. Um Hugh Grant at times is very entertaining, but then at times becomes a bit too C D and a bit kinda of, ugh, don't like you. Proper going against type as well, isn't it? Yeah, that's that's what you can enjoy about it a little bit, but it, it works maybe 80% of the time it works but something it doesn't but definitely the only thing that kept me watching the film because he's not in it that much was Colin Farrell cool well, it's yeah. good that there's something there for there's it, something there it? yeah because yeah, I'd, I'd kind of toy with the idea I'm going to see and I've pretty much decided against it because I'm just I don't know I just I don't get guy at all yeah. I mean the, anything he's done I've never been an amateur bit at all I yeah. just don't Maybe it's, I don't know if it's the right note or whatever, I just, I, I don't get his songs at all, I just find myself restless throughout, do you know what I mean, if uh, I've tried to watch them, I just, I don't want to fucking be there. Yeah, so. and me and you have said for a long time that Charlie Hunnam is not a, a big screen actor, and this film, once again, no. more evidence to the to that case. 
Yes. I've not heard him doing an English accent for so long, but um, I have heard that his English accent is, is okay as well now because he's yeah. so much American. Stuff. Yeah, I mean, he's done it in King Arthur a little bit, but it was actually kind of ye olde English accent. So this is, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, he's, he's not good, man. He's not good. Definitely. Uh, yeah. But then I'm not surprised. No. At all. I'm out of 10, I'm going yeah. 4 out of 10. Oh, Jesus, right. I'm definitely going to avoid that. I'd Yeah, watch it on Netflix, watch it on something like that. Um, yeah. Next week, looking at wait a minute. I've got, I've got, oh, you want to watch? I've got one, one, I've got one to throw in there that I did see um, just before, maybe just after Christmas. Um, I took my son to see Spies in Disguise. This is the animated film. This is the animated one um, where, just to briefly summarise, is uh, Mel Smith, the secret agent, James Bond style, who gets turned into a pigeon by Tom Holland's kind of Q sidekick who makes gadgets and stuff. Yep. Um, and they decide to kind of roll with the whole pigeon thing because it might be quite handy for a pigeon to sneak into places and, and get information and stuff like that. Okay. Um, I was the, the trailer actually sold it is, is looking all right. Um, on paper, I wasn't that convinced, and then when I seen it, um, for the first half an hour, I just wasn't feeling it, and I was kind of drifting and now kind of nodding off, not paying attention, yeah. and then you know I kind of snapped out of it and and kind of focused on the film a bit more and I actually really enjoyed it. Um, I've, heard, this is, I've heard similar people have told me it's, it's not getting a lot of press but it's actually relatively a pretty enjoyable animated movie. It, it is what I would say it's dead weird is it's the best Will Smith performance I've seen for years. You're <laughs> <laughs> an animated movie. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's proper Will Smith first sass and it's, cool and it's the, Will Smith, it's, the Will, it's the Will Smith we want and we've loved for a long, long time. I, I was just ashamed that he's a fucking cartoon. Um, <laughs> no, it's good. And Tom Holland's fun in it as well. And overall, it's just, just a pure charming film. Do you know what I mean? It's not going to kind of be the most memorable film you ever see. Do you know what I mean? But you come out and you feel, feel nice about it. Do you yeah. I mean? It's like, you know, that kind of dumb it was meant to do. Yeah. I'd recommend going to see it. It's just for the, even for the Will Smith performance. But yeah, it's good fun, fun family film. Go and see it. Out of ten. Out of ten. Seven out seven out of ten. Nice. Nice. Like I said, I've heard yeah, I've heard people say similar to yourself who have said you went into it with very low expectations and come out going, you know what, I actually really enjoyed that. Yeah, so. totally that, that nails it. That nails it and I say Smith being Smith is, is good because I've seen the shells for bad boys and they're really kinda not convinced. Broke broke my heart a wee bit. So yeah. this is like you know, hopefully this compensates for it in some weird way or Agreed. Sorry, next week. Next week, there's on. not a lot out. Next week, we've got um, the new Sam Mendes film, 1917, the World War One mm. epic, which looks really yeah. interesting, um, and picking up all sorts of awards and everything. So I'll be intrigued to mm. see what that is. Um, also, one called Seberg, um, of Seberg, Jane Seberg. Se- just, yeah, yeah, is that's the one. Uh, Stewart. No, that's Richard Jewell. Oh. You're thinking of Seberg is right. it's um, uh, Kristen Stewart playing her. And she was basically an actress in the 50s or 60s who was under investigation by the FBI because she had ties to sort of like Black Panthers and sort of radical groups in the in the civil, right, civil rights thing. Because I do like Kirsten Stewart. She's a pretty good actress. Agreed, yeah. I've, I've enjoyed them a lot of stuff recently. Um, but, yeah, but that's yeah. that'll be us for next week. Not a lot out next week, but we'll try and get to see a few of them. Colin, where can, uh, can people find us? I'll try and catch a few things before then. Um, you can find us at Free Beers in a Movie on Instagram, on Gmail, on Facebook, and on Twitter. So nice look us up and say hello. Yes. I've cool. been Colin. You've been Richard. And you've been. <laughs>